Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It's Anthony from Maze and Brew. Really quickly here before you get into our latest episode, stop what you're doing. And make sure you're subscribed to Maze and Brew Podcast, and please leave us a five-star review. Here's what's going to happen. If you do this, you're going to get all of our shows sent right to your phone and in your pocket first before anyone else, before it goes up on the website, anything. Maze and Brew is going to deliver you five podcasts a week, Monday through Friday, plus a post-game show after football and basketball games. So for your quickest analysis and instant Michigan-centric content, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows Leave us a review, and hey, tell your friends to stop by and subscribe too. No one else is doing this right now. We're excited to roll this out. So that's it. Let's get on to the show. All right, welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network, the only podcast that spends more time off the rails than on. I am Jared Stormer of MazeandBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, also of MazeandBrew.com. Andy, you majestic bison galloping through a field of rhododendrons. It is game week. How the hell are you, sir? I am great, my friend. I can't wait. Barely sleeping this week. Super excited to take on the Blue Raiders of Middle Tennessee State. What is a Blue Raider? I don't know. I assume it's the same as a regular Raider, only blue. <laughs> what is a regular Raider? That is a good question as well. We'll get into that and more. We are here with you on a Wednesday evening, August 28th, heading into Thursday the 29th, discussing Michigan football, specifically our matchup with Middle Tennessee State. 
Blue Raiders, I guess, this Saturday. Football is already upon us. We've already got some games in the book, um, but we're here to talk about our matchup. Before we get into that, were you able to watch any college football last weekend? I was. watched the game we were provided to us of Miami versus Florida. It was sloppy, disaster, sort of like the Independence Day sequel. Just a mess all around, but unlike Independence Day, I really loved it. Right, yeah. Unlike Independence Day, I was looking forward to watching it, uh, the second Independence Day, that is. And I watched Miami, Florida, and it was ugly. I mean, that's what happens when you get these week zero games. Um, And Jim Harbaugh in his press conference said that they're happy that they have that extra week to prepare. Uh, As am I, because, I mean, granted, I think we're going to be a better team than Florida is this year. I know they beat us last year, but... uh, I think that's more they didn't really want to be in that game. Nobody was, I mean, no Devin Bush, no Rashawn Gary. Um, But I think we're going to be a little bit more polished coming out of the gates against Middle Tennessee than Florida looked in that game. But that being said, uh, they don't really strike fear into me. (laughs) I'm with you, though. I think this is a big benefit, and it goes into the larger conversation of opening up with a cupcake again. Last year, Michigan opened up, as we all know, with Notre Dame. And it was a sloppy performance, and Michigan definitely not at their best. But in this game, Michigan can afford not to look their best and still win by four touchdowns. You can kind of shake off the rust, work through the rough patches, and learn. And it's not going to be on national TV, and it's not going to cost you a loss. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't want to open up against Florida or Miami this year. I mean, we've got a hard enough out-of-conference schedule. It begins next week when we, you know, when Army comes in. So this, as far as cupcakes, and I mean, it's not even necessarily a cupcake. This is an 8-6 and six team. Um, you told me uh, when off-air when we were talking that they haven't had a losing season since 2011. So yeah, it's an easier team that we should vastly outmatch talent-wise, but... It's not exactly like, you know, some of the, it's not Tulane or some of those teams that uh, Alabama's playing to start the season. No, this isn't like University of Maryland, Baltimore County that's had one win since, you know, the Polk administration. <laughs> the Polk administration, just vastly underrated. Yeah, the Mexican American War just tore it on apart, but UNBC, they got their win that season. <laughs> no, Middle Tennessee State is well coached, a disciplined football team that really values possessions and protecting the football. And I think, you know, it'll be nice for Michigan to see a team that's at least competent, you know I mean, despite having a massive talent gap. Yeah, I'm a big fan of how we start out this year. Not a fan of how we started out last year, and that was even before the outcome was certain last year. You don't want to go on the road to a ranked opponent, a very good ranked opponent, to start your year. Granted, we recovered pretty well from that Notre Dame game. This is a good level matchup, I think, to really come out of the gates. They're not a total cupcake, but at the same time, I mean, this isn't a team that you need to worry too much about. They're going to probably test you a little bit. They've got a receiver, Ty Lee. I mean, he went for like 860 last year. He's a speedster. Ambry Thomas has been cleared to practice. Will he be out there? They could put up some points, but at the same time, they're losing 11 starters. Yeah, they lose 11 starters. Their quarterback battle is uncertain. They're not releasing it too deep. You know, shocker. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny at this point. I respect all teams that, you know, aspire to the hardball level of pettiness, so I can't knock it. Um, you mentioned Ty Lee. He's the NCAA active leader in receptions. He's caught a pass in something absurd, like 40 straight games, I believe. So, no, they ha- do have some experience, speed on the outside. They're going to try to exploit it. They're kind of like a lesser talented, a little slightly slower Maryland team is what they remind me of. Okay, I like that. Do they run a similar offense? Because uh, I know we talked about these guys in the offseason, but now I've kind of cleared my mind of all that now that it's game week. They 
air it out a little bit more. They still like to get you side to side, but they air it out more than Maryland does. Okay, good to know. And Middle Tennessee, I mean, 0-7 all-time versus the Big Ten. Uh, if you're going to go in and get a win, it's going to be very difficult to get it here, especially since this is going to be a night game in the big house. Very interesting choice to go that route. I'm assuming that has something to do with scheduling amongst the other Big Ten games. Uh, but, I mean, what a rough atmosphere to come into for your first game of the season. You, you almost couldn't ask for a worse atmosphere to come in. This is the first matchup all time for Michigan and Middle Tennessee State, which is kind of cool. I think Michigan's played a total of 151 or 152 different teams, and this will just add to that list. But once again, being Michigan and being a game at home against lesser than competition, we can't overlook them because we all remember what happens when you overlook opponents in the first week of the season. Yes, absolutely. Not to say they were overlooking Notre Dame. I think that was probably more of a reference to Appalachian State, uh, a game that still haunts me to this day uh, because I was there and I owe my stepdad a walk from Ann Arbor to Toledo because I bet him that if Michigan lost, I would do that. It's neither here nor there, and I digress, but you're absolutely right. You cannot get caught looking against anyone. Uh, Middle Tennessee is no different, but I'm not too worried because at night, 11 starters gone. They're replacing their quarterback, never beaten a Big Ten team. They have played in some of these big games. They opened up with Alabama in 2015. Uh, they did not win, but uh, you know they've played some some big schools, some big programs, and they've been under big lights. They've played in front of 100,000 people before. Uh, it's just going to be hostile and a lot of Michigan fans that are probably chomping at the bit, excited for the season. Honestly, do you expect this to be a pretty intense crowd? I mean, I would say more so than if it were a noon game, right? I expect so. Everyone's going to be ready. And that uh, Alabama game you mentioned, they only lost 37 to 10. I mean, that's a, I mean, they got beat substantially, but it wasn't like 66 to three or anything super embarrassing. So no, they'll come to play and they're going to throw out stuff. Michigan's never even seen on tape in the last several years. I said before their coach will have them ready. Um, Rick Stocksteel, his name, I always forget it. Rick Stocksteel is a great head coach. He's been there for several years now, really turned this program around. Jared, you mentioned not having a losing season since 2011. But they're going to throw some stuff out, so don't be surprised if they score 14 or even 21 points in this game by just some gimmick plays. You never know when you're going to see a Philly special. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't be too surprised. And Rick Stockstill sounds like the generic name of a quarterback from any sort of like NFL movie. Like He's probably one of the quarterbacks from the movie The Replacements or Varsity Blues. Um, but a good coach and probably a guy that you would imagine is going to get a look somewhere else. I would have to imagine when you can succeed at Middle Tennessee State like that, I mean, not an easy place to win. And, and yeah, he's been doing it for a couple of years now. You would think so, but he's been there since 2006. Yeah, I mean, so, that's that's a haul. Yeah, so he might be in there for the long term, but we'll see. Um, when we first did this podcast previewing Middle Tennessee State back at the beginning of the summer, I predicted them to lose to Michigan 45-3. to I'm going to backtrack just a little bit on that prediction, get into this one, and I'm going to say Michigan wins 42-13. to I like it. That would go pretty well uh, along with what Vegas is saying, somewhere between 30 and 34 points spread here, depending on where you look. Uh, I'm going to back it off as well. 
Um, I had them winning very big. It's the first game. It's it's under the lights. There's going to be a lot of adrenaline early on. I could see this maybe being sloppy right out of the gates. Um, when you're at night and that crowd, 110,000 people are screaming. I mean, I could see these guys just flying around, maybe get some like uh, some targeting type, you know, aggressive penalties, some offsides, things like that. But once they settle in and talent is allowed to win, I mean, we're probably going to see a lot of McCaffrey, a lot of Joe Milton, uh, because I could see this getting out of hand pretty quickly. Um, but I think Middle Tennessee State keeps it interesting early. Um, I'm going to go something like 45-17 Michigan. So very similar to what you were thinking. Um, but I think early on maybe sweating a little bit until the sun goes down in, in the big house. Yeah, it's going to be a very emotional environment. Everybody, nerves, adrenaline pumping, just a million different factors going into sloppy play here. But once you said talent eventually just takes over and overwhelms them there's not going to be much you can do I mean you can try to stop a flood with a little cloth all you want but eventually you're going to be overwhelmed yeah I like that saying I don't think that's a saying anywhere I was in the navy and that's not something anyone ever says but you said it with such confidence that I, I'm, I'm absolutely on board I'd follow you into war <laughs> thank you sir <laughs> no, it's, uh, this team is good it's a great tune-up for army the following week this is a good opportunity for us to see what michigan's backfield is going to look like what linebackers are going to look like what the secondary is going to look like so we're finally going to get some answers yes absolutely it is coming for us it is saturday and at this point we're a couple days away wednesday is pretty much over in the books it's already thursday thursdays i mean i'm not actually going to be present so it's basically already saturday morning we're basically already there. We're just skipping ahead. We're, we're basically 11-1 and one already. <laughs> but before we get into our season-at-large discussion and what we expect to see from Michigan in this game and moving forward, we're going to take a quick break. Absolutely. Be back right after this. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist. And if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, and we are back on Out of the Blue, continuing with our Middle Tennessee preview and kind of our preview at large for the season on this one. Uh, we, we already broke down Middle Tennessee State, but now it's game week. And, uh, I mean, if you could see, I have literal goosebumps. My hairs are standing up because uh, we've got football this Saturday, man. So I kind of want to talk to you uh, about your expectations for this game, 
But then let's uh, let, let's get into some uh, some more freewheeling debate about what you expect to see this season. So uh, I've got the first question for you if you're ready for it. Feed me. Who takes the first handoff on Saturday? True Wilson. Uh, just going with experience over anything else. I believe he takes the first handoff here. But my return question to you is who takes the first handoff against Ohio State? Zach Charbonnet. Uh, it's it's impossible to ignore the, the Charbonnet hype that's coming out of camp now. We were waiting for it, hoping that we'd start to hear some of that, even if it weren't true, just to sate us. And it has been coming out. I mean, when when Harbaugh says coming on like a freight train, I take him at his word for it. Charbonnet is going to be contributing probably first game. I have something better to add to that. He's not coming on like a freight train. He's coming on like an A train, meaning Michigan great Anthony Thomas. Oof. He is almost the exact same size as. Oof. Sir, I mean, I just went from six to midnight. I'll admit it. <laughs> I mean, they're just – they're. I've been calling him Terrell Davis, but he's much too big to be Terrell Davis. He is Anthony Thomas. That's who he is. Man, every time you you say things like this, it's like I'm eating a bowl of chicken soup in a hot tub getting a massage from an elderly gentleman, maybe a Swiss man named Franz. Yeah, we'll just we'll just ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it feels like, man. That is comforting, and you're absolutely right about his size. And if he hits like they're saying, and I'm hearing a lot of good uh, talk about his cuts and his ability to see the hole... So if he's there, I mean, really all he's got to catch up on then is pass blocking, and then he's going to be on the field just a ton. But we're going to see him against Middle Tennessee State. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to predict 60 yards and a touchdown for for Charbonnet. I think that's more than reasonable because this is the type of game that really gets out of hand in the third quarter. In the fourth quarter, you start to see the depth of the offense, start seeing Charbonnet get more touches, Haskins, Van Summeren getting in there as well. So 60 yards and a touchdown. Not a bad way to start 2019 from Charbonnet. I like it. Who's your leading receiver in this game? That's a good question. I want to go off the wall a little bit, but I'm going to go conserve. I'm going to go Nico Collins, actually. I think a couple deep balls, some red zone work. I think he ends the day with around... It feels like I'm going to throw a number way off the wall, but with what we're expecting and anticipating from this offense... I say we're going to get a conservative 110 from Nico Collins. Six for 110, a pair of touchdowns. Conservative 110. I, I can't imagine any room where that's considered a conservative estimate as far as output, uh, especially on this team. But I love it. I love where your head's at. And I just finished rewatching all of our games from last year, except for the bowl game against Florida. It doesn't count. Uh, and upon rewatch, Nico Collins is the wide receiver that I think might have the best chance to absolutely dominate. The dude doesn't miss anything thrown his way. He adjusts to the ball. He uses his body. I mean, he's just a safe target. So I agree with you. I think he will be our leading receiver in this one, but I'll probably go something closer to like 70 yards. They're not going to try and light this thing up. They're not going to need to through the air. And if they do, I see a lot of shorter stuff to Sane Restrill, Ronnie Bell. I think they'll spread it around a lot. Um, getting up over their linebackers, getting some balls to Eubanks and McEwen. So I think they'll spread it around a lot, and the the number won't be as high, but I like your call, Nico Collins. I think he'll get a touchdown, too. Which player, non-starter, offense and defense, are you most excited to watch? Non-starter offense, I'm going to go with Zach Charbonnet. Uh, we already discussed him, or McCaffrey, honestly. It, it's tough. There's a couple on offense there. I mean, I love Tariq Black, too, but it's between McCaffrey and Charbonnet. Uh, the future of this team, guys that you and I have been high on since we knew they existed. Uh, McCaffrey is just, I mean, a, a 
there shouldn't be a human like Dylan McCaffrey, and if there was a human like that, the man should be starting. But as we have Shea Patterson, he's not. So he's a lightning rod. Can't wait to see what he can do. But Zach Charbonnet, man, that's the future, and we are so overdue for a dominant running back. We really are. Karan Higdon was great last year, but we only had him for really just three-fourths of the season. Because the last couple games, he seemed banged up, and we didn't get it. And it was just a small taste of what we could have had the whole time he was there. And we're, like you said, we're due for one to take over. Fifth Tucson doesn't count. I think you have to go back to Mike Hart for the last time Michigan had a dominant running back. Yeah, to go dominant. Karan Higdon loved him, loved everything that he did. But was he dominant? No. He was above average, but not dominant. Charbonnet has that kind of potential. So uh, he's another one. Honorable mention to Giles Jackson. I really hope we get to see him run run some kick returns back. Probably not going to see him at receiver or running back, but might see him uh, take one back. I mean, the dude's got a ton of speed. So uh, I want to hear the same for you, and then I'll do my defense. Okay, offense for me, I'm going Mike Sainerstrill. Love it. Or Mikey Sainerstrill, as they call him, you know, since we're kind of in the know. Sure. Uh, Mikey Sainerstrill, if you go back and watch his high school highlights, they I forgot how impressive they were, firstly. Secondly, the buzz around him in spring was every conversation you heard was about how he was standing out, how fast he was taking to the offense, how explosive he was. Just everything about him. And then in the fall, it's been more of that. He could start in the slot, but I expect Ronnie Bell to. So I really think he'll be coming off the bench, but he is a reserve to watch out for. Speed and space applies specifically for Mikey Sanders' drill. Yeah, he's going to play a ton. We've heard a lot about him. Uh, him and Charbonnet are two of the freshmen that we've probably heard the most about on either side of the ball, honestly. And a guy that's going to get a lot of looks, you have to assume Ronnie Bell is going to be the starter, so I think you're on, on the right track here. Especially with what we've heard about Ronnie Bell being the most overall improved player on the team, which is crazy to me. Uh, we are stacked at wide receiver. So that means Ronnie Bell's probably your starting slot guy, so Sainer still. If not, you're going to see him returning kicks, I would imagine. So, yeah, this is a guy you're definitely going to see. Future of the program uh, is in good hands with Sainer still and Ronnie Bell being younger guys here. I love it. And Ronnie Bell was the second lowest rated recruit, only ahead of Jake Moody last year. Wow, yeah, absolutely crazy. I never went star crazy and worried about Ronnie Bell. I just kind of was like, oh, okay, well, they got a former basketball player. But as soon as we saw him against Nebraska, I was like, stars be damned. This kid is a baller. Yeah, he's definitely the exception to any labels you try to place on him. Uh, but let's hear your defense. Uh, defense non-starter. That's a tough one because the starters at defensive end are really hard to peg right now. Um, is Aiden Hutchinson going to start? I have no idea, but he's going to play a lot. Um, so I'll go with somebody that I know is not going to start and kind of cheating because he's the highest r- r- rated recruit out there. But uh, I'll go Dax Hill. Um, my favorite players are generally linebacker and secondary. Kalik Hudson I love. He is, he is locked in as a starter. Dax Hill, I believe, uh, who was it? Zordich came out and said today he'd probably be the fourth safety to play. So he'll play. Uh, probably not a ton and probably a lot of a learning curve there for Dax Hill, but still very excited to see him. Um, aside from him, it's hard to say because you just don't know who will be starting. Um, whatever defensive ends don't start would be the second choice there. That's fair. I think it's presumed it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson and either Quiddy Pay or Mike Dana. We'll just kind of lump them all together. Even the UJ, we can lump in there because they're all going to play so much. It's basically like they're starting. Yeah. So I'm going to go with Chris Hinton on the interior. Ooh. He's 
not going to start. He could. There's a small chance, unless you know it's not going to be Dwan for and Carlo Kemp. Maybe he sneaks in there next to Kemp. I'm going Chris Hinton. I'm really high on Chris Hinton. He came in with a man's body, as did Mozzie Smith. I think he's going to get some action early on this season. Yeah, if nothing else, he'll at least get his four games and then redshirt. But I think more likely he probably plays uh, some quality snaps. But it does sound like Maisie Smith's a little bit ahead of him right now. So I don't know how much uh, action he's going to get. Uh, Ben Mason, excited to see what he can do at defensive tackle. Um, But yeah, I mean, Hinton and Hill are our two five-stars in this class. So definitely excited to see both of them. Uh, Chris Hinton has an insanely high ceiling. Yes, he is just, I mean, arguably one of the most talented tackles Michigan's had in a long time. I mean, trying to go back through some, I mean, obviously Mo Hurst developed into one, but not many come in here with this much hype. Aubrey Solomon did, he's gone, but this is one that's really sticking out to me on the interior. Yeah, Chris Hinton looks like he's going to change your alternator with a Newport 100 hanging out of his mouth, and then, like, charge you a reasonable amount and make you some, some ribs afterwards. I mean, he looks like... Looks like a grown man from southern Alabama. <laughs> it's kind of guy with such a bad hairline, but such a big frame. You're never going to say anything about it. No, no, no. Nothing nothing ill. And if it sounded like I was speaking ill of you, Chris Hinton, for the love of God, uh, I was not. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good segue to my next question. Which unit is better this season? Michigan's offensive line or defensive line? It's the offensive... Ooh, I want to say offensive line with confidence, but then you think about the depth of the defensive line. Depth, it's defensive line, no doubt. Overall talent plugged in at starters, you might want to say offensive line because you've got four of the five guys on their respective watch list for the best in the country. I mean, not many... I think there's maybe only one other program that can say that. So it's very tough to argue against that, but you and I are very high on that D-line. You could go 11 deep if, uh, what's his name, Julius Welshoff's able to play, which I'm pretty sure he's like 730 pounds. So The Colossus of Rose, Julius Welshoff, the German Goliath. Correct. A panzer <laughs> tank made human. <laughs> I'm with you. It's offensive line. I think if one injury happens, though, it quickly becomes defensive line because that's how close they are. The loss of Andrew Stuber to the season due to his torn ACL is a blow. But Jalen Mayfield almost started last season. They were neck and neck. This season, he still could have been the starter. This unit's had a lot of reps together, and I always say chemistry is one of the most important things, if not the most, with an offensive line. This group has in spades. They really do. Uh, It definitely hurts because you felt good if Stuber started and then Mayfield's there in case either of the tackles go down, then you're still in good shape. So now that depth uh, becomes a little questionable, and we don't really have another tackle. I think it's going to be Ryan Hayes now backing up, who you and I are pretty high on, a converted tight end. Uh, probably needs a little bit more time, but definitely has the body type of like a, like a Taylor Lewan at a young age. So very excited there. But uh, we've got some young tackles that just need some time, like Trent Jones, Carson Barnhart. So that hurts a little bit. But all in all, the offensive line is ready to roll. And if they're healthy all season, you're talking a top five offensive line in the country potentially, which is just something we haven't had. You know, if you think back to the 2016 team, for as good as they were, the offensive line was average at best. Yeah, absolutely. They really were, and they did a lot with a very average offensive line. And, I mean, I don't need to remind you of the days of Eric Magnuson and Kyle Kalis and like guys that looked like they would be really solid but uh, couldn't get their head on a swivel, I mean, to save their lives. So 
I mean, well-coached unit. You've got guys like Cesar Ruiz. I mean, everyone on that offensive line is probably playing in the NFL, honestly. I mean, I'm even going to say that about Jalen Mayfield, and I haven't seen him play yet. I mean, he's 6'6", 6'5", and starting out at Michigan, you're probably going to play. This is the kind of before-season takes I love Jared injected into me. (laughs) I always try not to get too excited, too, but then we start talking about it, and here I am just heating up the spoon and uh, tying a rubber band around my left arm. (laughs) (laughs) I got another question for you. Hit me. Which receiver finishes the year with more career touchdowns? Lonnie Bell or Tariq Black? Tariq Black currently has one career touchdown. Lonnie Bell has two. Who has more at the end of 2019? Ronnie Bell. How yeah. many? And it's, it's crazy to even say that because I'm such a Tariq Black guy, but I think Ronnie Bell will get another two, and maybe another three, and I think Tariq Black will get the same, maybe another three, but still be sitting right behind him. I mean, Tariq Black's, as of right now, third or fourth receiving option. I mean, yeah. which is crazy to say because he's just loaded to the gills with talent. And I'm such a Tariq Black fan. But he's fighting against guys that are more entrenched. They've had more reps. And right now, they're just a little bit more complete receivers. And Ronnie Bell's coming on like gangbusters. So, And it sounds like speed and space, they're going to use a guy like Ronnie Bell a little bit more than Tariq Black. Not to say Tariq Black is slow, but he's not Ronnie Bell quick either. Speaking of speed and space, Ronnie Bell needs to worry about his real competition. I'm sorry, not Ronnie Bell. Tariq Black needs to worry about his real competition for career touchdowns, and that's Jacob McFlurry McCurry because they both have one to their name. Wow, that's crazy to think about. Uh, Tariq Black is going to get a touchdown this year. It's definitely going to happen. They targeted him a couple times at the end of last year, but that's back when we threw 12 passes a game. Things are going to be a little bit different in this offense, so he's going to get more opportunities, but... Yeah, I think Ronnie Bell is going to have a pretty prolific career at Michigan at this point. Uh, My segue into my question, a little bit more of a league-wide question. Who wins the Heisman this year? Uh, Who's Oklahoma's new quarterback, Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm not going with Jalen Hurts. I'm going Trevor Lawrence and Clemson. It's very obvious, very safe, but anyone with eyes that watched the national championship last year knew this kid was special, regardless what you know about football. Correct. I'll go with Tua just to switch it up, but uh, very good choice. College football playoff prediction. Alabama, Clemson, Texas. I'm going to go Texas, and Georgia sneaks in. Okay, I will be resident Homer. I'm taking this one. I'm going, because I believe Michigan to go 11-1, and one, win the Big Ten Championship, because the West is the West. I'm going Michigan. Love it. I'm going Clemson. I'm going Georgia. And I'm going Oklahoma. I love it. Yeah. Well, again, the Big 12 team, Clemson rides it in. Georgia takes over in the SEC, and SEC only gets one team in. I'm fine with it. My only problem is this might be the most talented Alabama team, although they did just lose a stud linebacker. Um, yeah, that hurts a lot. Yeah, that does that does hurt them a lot. Um, and Clemson's schedule's so weak, if they lose one game, I think they might be out. They can. They played their way back in a couple years ago. Yeah. You never know. The season always gets so wacky in weeks like 9 and 10. It's very so true. hard to say that. Very, very true. Uh, who are some non-Michigan players that you're excited to watch this year? I'm really excited to watch 
Um, oh, what's Sam Ellinger, uh, Texas's quarterback? I'm really excited to watch him. I'm really excited to watch DeAndre Swift from Georgia. And I'll give you one more. Oh, Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin. Yeah, he's a good one. I'm excited to watch him. He could break Ronald Penny's or Rashad Penny's uh, career rushing record as a junior if he goes for 2,200 yards. So. What an absurd running back Jonathan Taylor is. Uh, this is the year of the quarterback and wide receiver for me. There are so many good wide receivers this year. Colin Johnson from Texas, LaVisca Chenault from Colorado, uh, C.D. Lamb from Oklahoma, all of the wideouts that we've got at Michigan. I mean, we've got a, we've just got a plethora of them. Uh, T. Higgins from Clemson. I mean, if there's Jerry a... Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy, who's probably the first one taken of all those guys. Uh, if you're in the need for uh, or on the lookout for a wide receiver for your pro team next year in the draft, this is the year to be looking. Uh, so it's going to be probably a lot of passing stats this year. I'd be very surprised if the Heisman winners anyone other than a quarterback. Yeah, it would be a complete shock. It would take a 2200 Jonathan Taylor type season, but also require Wisconsin to win like 10 or 11 games. Yeah, you've got to be a pretty quality team too, not just have the stats. So. And there's going to be some big passing stats this year. Uh, I've got another one for you. Maybe. Game that is not Ohio State that scares the hell out of you this year. Indiana. <laughs> I remember that. You predicted that as a loss. Yeah, that team, it frightens me in between Michigan State and Ohio State. It's the ultimate trap game. This team is always motivated to play Michigan. It's just, it's terrifying. There's no way around it. There should be Maryland or Rutgers in between these two. We should get some jelly in the middle of these sandwich games. But no, we get Indiana, who's probably going to take us to four overtime. I like it. Uh, I'll go Michigan State. It's at home, and the road team has won every game so far when Harbaugh's gone against these guys. They find a way to show up for the big games. Uh, so they'll probably play their best game of the season against us. It always scares me, Michigan State. And I just I hate losing to them. only team I hate losing to more is the other one that we, we didn't talk about there. You and I gave a lot of props to Michigan State and Ohio State last week, but more so to Sparty. Their team really just scares me on paper, and they always play Michigan tough no matter how overmatched they are. Yep, absolutely. Uh, got one for me? Yeah, uh, last question for me. What unit on Michigan's team worries you the most and could keep them from reaching their potential this season? Um, I mean, running back is a little thin, but I'm starting to get – on board. I'm starting to really ride that train. I'm hearing good things about Zach Charbonnet. Uh, I've been hearing some good things a little bit about Christian Turner. I'd like to hear more about him uh, starting to catch fire. That'd be great because then you're three deep there. Uh, but I would say it's probably secondary uh, with Ambry Thomas, you know, suffering from colitis. Um, only really the two proven options back there in Metellus and Levert Hill. If you lose one of those guys and then you're going up against like a decent passing attack like Notre Dame. I don't have a ton of confidence. I mean, we've got a great front seven. But, I mean, if you can't cover anyone, that could get ugly. So it's the secondary for me, uh, specifically cornerbacks. What about you? I'm with you. I'm with you in the secondary. A little bit in linebackers. I think an injury there could really just tear apart the position or have to go very small. And I'm going to say kicker. Yeah. Just because we don't know if Jake Moody's going to start, and that frightens me. Well, I mean, the only reason I won't say kicker is because if Quinn Nordine really starts, uh, you know, shitting the bed again, then we can just axe him and put Jake Moody in there. So we have options there, and that that makes me feel a little bit better. I feel what you're saying with linebacker, but one of the reports I heard last week, and it was one that was just music to my ears, was that Cam McGrone was starting to come on. 
I hope so, man. We've heard Luigi Villain's been coming on for years, too. <laughs> no one knows where Luigi Villain is. Him and Ian Bunting are lost at sea somewhere. <laughs> but, no, it just it worries me because in certain games, like Michigan-Indiana last year, which Michigan did win by 11, we needed all six of Jake Moody's field goals to get it done. Very true. I remember that very well. Just went back and rewatched that. And, yeah, six field goals. Hits them all. Comes in, just ice in his veins. And, it, I mean, there's going to be some games that come down to kicking. There are every single year. Uh, and you got to hope that you've got one guy you're confident in. I don't know how it's not Jake Moody. I don't know how you, you get a freshman that comes in and goes 9 for 9 after what we witnessed with Quinn Nordine and not let him win that job. I mean, maybe Nordine's busy drilling 62-yarders in, in practice, and that's giving him pause. But we've seen what he does under the big lights. Uh, he gets a big head, seems to think a lot of himself, and then shanks a field goal worse than I would imagine an elk with three legs would do if it attempted to kick a field goal. <laughs> oh, they're so bad, man. But I'll tell you what, I'm so excited for whatever nonsense we see on the field <laughs> in that first quarter this Saturday just because it means it's back. Absolutely, brother. Last question for you. What's the first play? First play of the day that Gaddis draws up. RPO slant to Donovan Peoples-Jones. I love it. I think it's going to be yeah an RPO deal, try and suck in the linebackers, and I think he's going to maybe go deep to uh, to Eubanks, maybe. Eubanks over the middle. Tight ends are going to have a big season. Everyone's been saying it. So I, Michigan football is back in I a couple days. I love it. I love it. So, yeah, next time we talk, brother, we're going to have a game to break down as well as uh, you know another preview for you. Uh, we're going to be every week this year, maybe even twice a week, depending on what happens in the season, if we feel the need for some reaction podcasts, or if uh, the games call for it, we'll be there. We give the people what they want. You know, sometimes sober and happy, and sometimes, you know, a little inebriated and sad. <laughs> sure. So sometimes, yeah, yeah, but generally, uh, generally entertaining. And sometimes they just want us to shut the hell up, and we can do that too. the masters but uh that's gonna do it for us tonight make sure that you follow us on twitter at oblue 87 at andy underscore bailey one uh follow maize and brew on twitter at maize and brew like us on facebook instagram all that good stuff reach out to us we love communicating with the fans uh we are fans ourselves like share subscribe leave a review for all your shows and content where you get your podcast search maize and brew on apple google spotify Yada, 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 advertising, advertising. But we will be back tomorrow with a brand new episode of Closing Time. That's hosted by our boy, Anthony Broom. Any final thoughts from you, my friend? Go blue. (laughs) Well, they don't call him the best color man in sports for nothing, folks. That's going to do it for us tonight. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.